You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you? It is Monday, April 10th, 2023. And uh, it feels, doesn't just feel like a, a new day or even a new week. It kind of feels like a new year in many respects. I feel kind of fresh, invigorated, um, almost um, like ready for, ready for change, ready for new thoughts, new ideas. Uh, maybe it's just me. But it is uh, it is manifestation Monday, and uh, I'm going to look at the. This is um this is an interesting week for me. I'm not recording. I don't believe I'm recording any new shows at all. Uh, but I have a ton of shows that are uh, in the hopper. Um, I have uh, Gordon uh, Gordon Gannister is actually going to be uh, this week's. No, actually, I'm sorry. Denise Hamilton is going to be this week's show. I've got Gordon Gannister, Matt Thiel- Thieleman. Uh, 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 Clara, Clara Capano, Clara Capano. I'm like forgetting their their pronunciations now. Mike Milner, Randall Chowder, Aaron File, Mark uh, Blinder, and Mark Schaefer. So all of them will be coming up over the next few weeks. And um, had a lot of experimentation this weekend with Chat GPT. Um, it's unbelievable, actually. So what I've done. So let me let me share with you my learnings. First of all. 
Um, the maximum word count for a summary is three thousand words, and so which is a which is a pain for me because I have a show. Um, my show from the time that I bring my guest on, um, it's about let's call it like fifty. Let's call it fifty minutes, fifty to fifty-five minutes. But let's yeah, let's call it fifty minutes. It's about nine. It's about call it call it nine thousand words or less. So from excluding the soliloquy, and um, I have to break it up into three parts for the most part. Right, it's probably a bit less than nine thousand words, but I've got to try and break it up into three parts, and then say to ChatGPT, "Please summarize uh, this part of the show." Or what I've been doing is is saying, "Can you provide?" I've been experimenting with two options: can you provide five key takeaways, or can you provide ten key takeaways? And then at the end, so for example, uh, I'm going to have three parts, right? So I'm going to have fifteen or thirty key takeaways. And then I'm asking ChatGPT to collapse them or condense them into 10. Um, the results have been phenomenal, i got to say. And what I realize is how powerful, um, well, first of all, two things. One, the, the power of the archive of 450 to 500, over 500 episodes, certainly 450 guests. Not only do I have these one-minute highlight videos, but now I've got these 10 key takeaways. So let me give you an example of how powerful this is. Um, I'm going to pull up Roberto Blake because um, we love Roberto Blake, don't we, uh, Bez? Uh, let me just see if I can. <clears throat> if I can. So I've got 40 key takeaways from Roberto. 40. It's unbelievable. Um, and then I've condensed them to 10. Let me see if all 10 will, will display here because sometimes with, uh, with Discord, um, uh, Bez says MS Word, I used it tr to translate a simple half-page document into Spanish and gave it to my wife to give a second look. It was pretty good. Both of us didn't change a thing. Uh, it must have been using some type of AI. Yes, big fan of Roberto Blake. So let me put in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a few. Yeah, let me see if it will work. So it's it's putting it in as an attachment. Let's see what happens if I put it in here in the chat, in in the actual. No, it's still doing that. So that's fine. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put it in the chat so you can see what what it looks like. Um, and I don't know why it does this Discord. So it's it's basically put it down as um, you know as as like a like a PDF. But I'm going to read it to you. So number one. Embrace discipline, practice, and hard work in content creation, treating early work as practice and focusing on honing essential skills such as marketing, sales, design, content creation, and coding to build a sustainable creative career. Number two, audit personal lifestyles, expenses, and available time to prevent burnout. Avoid lifestyle inflation and maintain a work-life balance. Number three, address the challenges of living as a public figure, including constant criticism, feelings of inadequacy, and privacy concerns, and understand that success comes with burdens that need proper coping mechanisms. Number four, aim to create a lasting legacy through sharing ideas, philosophy, and contributions to the creative economy, with books and children serving as important vehicles for preserving this legacy. Number five, adopt an alchemy approach to creativity, focusing on 
transformation and refinement and ensure effective packaging, marketing and audience engagement to make content successful. Number six, prioritize authenticity in content creation, embracing imperfections and maintaining a genuine connection with the audience as success grows. Number seven, utilize the internet for connecting on a human level, emphasizing shared interests and values instead of differences, and recognize that traditional media exposure is not necessary for success in the creative economy. Number eight, be mindful of the potential consequences of pursuing success, defining personal goals, values, and boundaries to avoid compromising integrity. Number nine, understand that success takes time and effort, and that age and experience can be advantageous for creators while recognizing the importance of patience, perseverance, and full-time commitment in achieving results. And finally, Stay informed and adaptable as the creative economy evolves, considering emerging technologies and corporate influences that shape the strategy. So those are the 10, those are the 10 um, uh, summaries. Now, it's interesting because now um, that was off the prompt, collapse these 40 key takeaways into 10 key takeaways where possible group and synthesize common themes without necessarily replacing them. Now I'm going to read you one where I just said condense the 40 into 10. Roberto Blake emphasizes the importance of discipline, practice, and hard work in content creation, comparing it to athletes refining their skills, and highlights the the necessity of focusing on the right things to achieve scalable impact. Number two, Blake identifies several high-income skill sets for creators, stressing the importance of learning, networking, and invoicing, to succeed in the creative economy, which offers diverse roles and entry points. Number three, to prevent burnout, Blake advises creators to audit their lifestyle and expenses and cautions against consumerism, advocating for emotional recognition, budgeting, and work-life balance. Number four, Roberto Blake's book delves into the difficulties of living as a public figure, addressing insecurities, expectations, and complications tied to fame, which can shift perspectives on success and happiness. Number five, Blake aspires to leave a legacy through impactful ideas, contributions to the creative economy and writing books with a lasting impact akin to Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar. Number six, emphasizing alchemy as a metaphor for creativity, Blake explains that content creation involves a transformative process and advises focusing on packaging, marketing, and authenticity to create successful content. Number seven, Connection with the audience is crucial and creators must embrace imperfections, maintain relatability and focus on shared values to prevent perceived class differences from becoming barriers. Number eight, success in the creative economy doesn't require traditional media exposure as impactful content can be created without conforming to conventional expectations. Number nine, to achieve success, creators should understand their values, goals and boundaries, see money as a tool Differentiate between vanity and meaningful metrics, practice patience and dedicate full-time effort. And finally, stay informed and adapt to the ever-evolving creative economy, considering emerging technologies like NFTs and the growing influence of corporations. Now, I don't know about you, um, I found that one to be much better. I found the second set to be significantly uh, more compelling and you know, ultimately, I've got two benchmarks, right? One ben- one benchmark is after listening to, you know, set A versus set B, would you be inclined 
to listen, to want to seek out and or listen to and or subscribe to the show. And B, which is an important one, a la Lean Startup, would you pay money? Would you pay money to get that summary delivered in your inbox on a regular basis? Because one of the things that I'm really, really thinking about now is the power of the archive. And the power of the archive, right, the power of the archive is essentially, um, it is, it's not long tail. I mean, it is, but the idea is monetization can actually come off the power of the archive with the right people, the right tools, being able to now get, you know, with, with um, if you think about it, how many, um, I don't know the, the, the answer, um, I know ChatGPT Chat GPT does, but how many work days in the year? So there are 260 work days. So all things considered, if I was to deliver one of these a day in your inbox, I could theoretically get through two years, two entire years um, of episodes. That's amazing when you think about it. Every single day, another top 10, another, uh, it, it doesn't even have to be. Now, imagine if I just did that Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Wow. I mean, that's 60% of 260. Um, so it is 130 plus, call it 60. That's 160. So that means probably I've got four years now of content, three times a week, top 10 takeaways, link to the actual episode, quote of the day, my show notes, and then, of course, the one-minute video. The question then comes down to, would you pay for it? And if so, how much would you pay? Um, and so that's, and now, I mean, look at what ChatGPT has done. Now, look, it's, it's a little complicated still for me because it's too manual. But, you know, with, with, a, with an intern, they could do it with, you know, I mean, that, that'd be a job for them and I wouldn't even worry about it. Um, it's a little bit manual for me to have to go and, and divide it the whole time, etc. I would just love, and soon, I mean, come on, you've got to imagine that soon you'll be able to plug an entire uh, one-hour piece of content into ChatGPT um, and then be able to, say, summarize it. I think, so here, here are some, some interesting thoughts, right? Um, and, and this is not meant to become the ChatGPT show, even though we've been discussing it a lot lately, but it's kind of relevant. Um, from a copyright standpoint, you should not be able to ask ChatGPT to summarize um, content that you don't have a copyright for. Think about it. Or should you? I, I, I'm asking it, uh, I should be asking it as a question, not, a, not, ta- not making a statement. I should be able to ask ChatGPT to summarize my show. But what if you could not? To me, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Where where when you go and you plug, like I should be able to plug in a YouTube URL to ChatGPT and say, summarize this for me, please. Oh, I'm the owner. No problem. Oh, I own the NFT. No problem. Summarize the video, summarize the audio, summarize the key takeaways in text. Maybe even ask it just to spit out a three-minute video highlight. I mean, if it's soon enough going to be able to be done. So interesting stuff. 
Now, I want to use that as a uh, as a segue. Um, I commented on this last night. I posted about this last night. Um, it was actually in the interview with Roberto, and um, there was a phrase, chink in the armor. Um, and it was used in context to discuss um, like literally chink in the armor in terms of in terms of actual armor. I think he I think he was referring to a book um, about legend um, uh, that uh, I forget the book what the book was called. Um, I can tell you in a minute. And so I was going out. Roberto's interview was a little bit longer, so I divided as about into four different sections. And I got to one, and I got this error message, and there was nothing, and there was just like this may be a violation of ChatGPT's um, content policy, and I was like, okay, um, and but I didn't know what it was, so I asked ChatGPT. I said, well, can you tell me, you know, what it was, uh, what was wrong? Well, maybe I did it wrong. Maybe what I said is I posted everything again. I said, what is wrong with this with this text? And I got the same problem. I'm just going to post, um, I just got this. This prompt may violate a content policy. Uh, acknowledge. So I did acknowledge it, but I didn't, it didn't give me anything. Um, I'm wondering now if I had said what in the previous prompt was unacceptable or a potential violation. Um, but the prompt wasn't there. It had been removed. So I couldn't see. So th- maybe that's why I didn't do it. Anyway, long story short, um, I basically divided it and divided it and divided it. And I kept on saying, summarize this, summarize this, summarize this. And and so like eventually I got it down to one line, one line. And that line was, I'm just trying to find it now because I've got so, I've been doing so many summaries uh, and if they dare for one moment, comma, to have a chink in their armor, to have a human moment. So I think it was this idea of of um, celebrities, personalities, um, you know, showing a little bit of vulnerability. So in this case, just a little, you know, showing a little bit of, um, you know, exposing themselves as opposed to wearing a mask or whatever. And so I went and, you know, obviously I, I realized at that point that that the word is i mean literally there are definitions of the word which is one is is lit, literally um a, a hole or a crack in something that lets through light then of course there is the phrase the metaphor uh, to have a chink in their armor refers to um you know this idea of of vulnerability weakness right and then of course there is a derogatory uh, and and a word um, and um, and an unacceptable word and a word that is considered to be racist um, and and clearly I'd realized exactly what what had happened. I was kind of fascinated um, that this had been identified as such. I was fascinated by the fact that ChatGPT didn't tell me what it was um, and. And so, like it was, it was just weird. I, I'm just going to paste the um, the tweet for you. So there, there's the tweet. I just pasted it in the cafe chat, um, and I'll just read to you the the thread. I said um, today I was summarizing one of my interviews, and Joseph Jeff is not famous on ChatGPT when I ran into this. 
And then I posted that. I said, I tried my hardest to understand what the problem was, even asked OpenAI to explain what the concern was. But every time I pasted the thousand plus word summary, I got the same message. And so I started breaking down the text until I found the problematic statement. And that was the statement that I read to you earlier. And so then I wrote, the phrase chink in armor uh, reflects a weak spot that may leave one vulnerable or a narrow opening or crack, typically one that admits light. A chink is also an English language ethnic slur, not just referring to a person of Chinese descent, this is from Wikipedia, but against people of East Asian, North Asian, Southeast Asian appearance. The use of the term is considered extremely offensive and highly racist. And then as an interesting point, in 2020, in 2012, a CNN writer was fired for the following headline referencing then next basketball player Jeremy Lin. If there is a chink in the armor, where can Lin improve his game? So, you know, whether that was premeditated, whether it was just dumb luck, whether it was just dumb, um, referring to, um, you know, referring to weakness in his game, um, and obviously Jeremy Lin is of Asian descent, uh, and he got fired. Um, and so I, I found the whole subject to be fascinating because there's the politically correct kind of woke conversation there is a free speech conversation there is the ability held from an educational standpoint or even a research standpoint what if you were doing a paper on the evolution of um of words and and how they've become to be how they've come to become um banned or ambiguous or politically incorrect you wouldn't even be able to use those words in context. Um, and um, in this particular case, you know, it seemed interesting that the computer, that the artificially intelligent computer was the judge, the jury, and the executioner and was saying, these are my rules and I'm not going to tell you what they are or you're just going to have to accept them. And and it just kind of like left me feeling, okay, this is interesting. This is interesting um, I don't know how I feel. Um, by the way, the uh, the code for uh, today's um, POAP is woke. Um, and uh, Bear says, yes, that word chink is very racist. Obviously, I'm, I'm using this in an educational, intellectual uh, context and in context of the phrase, um, you know, chink in one's armor. Um, Bez says, when I was a kid in the South, my friends used that word to describe the Chinese Asian store. They bought stuff from it. I always felt uncomfortable with the word. The word is unacceptable. The word is racist. The word, when referring to a person of Chinese or Asian descent, is 1,000% um, to be unacceptable. There is no debate. The question, there are two questions. The question is, in this context, and, and I didn't find any writing on it, but should it be, you know, one might ask the question, should it be retired? The phrase that we can no longer say a chink in, the, a chink in his armor or in their armor. Um, and, and that is really interesting um, to be able to now, you know, make a point saying we can no longer refer to that. They're a dent in the armor, a, you know, a, a crack in their exterior. Can we use other words as well um shadows pub says once i found so far include intimate intimate wow crucifixion guru 
I don't even know what that means. G-U-R-O, bloodied, etc. I should start a list of them when I hit one. Um, and Bez says, yes, please do. Um, Shadow says they do at least state which word has triggered the block. I didn't get that. Um, uh, Praxim is here and says, have you asked ChatGPT which words are to be excluded? No, I haven't. Um, I couldn't. Um, I couldn't um, get, I, I mean, you know, um, Shadows Pub said that's in mid-journey, they stated. Look, I, I, I'll play around a little bit more today. Like, for example, taking that statement and saying, um, is this statement acceptable or, or what is offensive in the statement? But what I found is just using that statement just block, it got blocked. So it, it's, as I said, it's interesting to me on so many levels because we know uh, that's interesting. Even Bez says you have to be careful with the word woke, which is a community word by the black community. However, that word has been bastardized by those outside of the black community. See, so that's so interesting. And Shadows Pub says guru means grotesque. I was using it when doing images in guru kawaii style. Um, l- listen, I, I found this to be like really interesting. And that's why we're having the conversation right now. You know, I'm not saying this is my opinion and all my opinion. I'm just kind of like stating a few different sides. Yeah, there's no question that there is no, um, the term woke is not really a positive word. It is generally used in a derogatory fashion. Um, generally, people don't proudly say, Hi, hey, I'm woke. Uh, I'm, you know, it's generally being uh, used critically as well. So words Words are bastardized. Words also take on different meanings at different times. Um, so, for example, you know, I always, I always marvel, um, marvel at the, <laughs> at the fact that that um, when we think about, um, you know, when we think of the words liberal and conservative, right? The I like you would think that liberal is a good word, and you would think conservative is a bad word. And what I mean by that is, you know, someone who's conservative generally is not someone who's risk-inclined. You know, they're, they, they, they are risk-averse. They're, you know, they're, they're very, um, you know, they're, I, I'm not talking in, in, I'm saying out of a political context. A conservative person is someone who's maybe guarded or, or, or generally, as I said, not risk-averse. Um, and, uh, sorry, who is risk averse. And the idea of being liberal, um, is this idea of being open-minded. I mean, that's the, the actual, the actual tent, the actual sense or the, or the meaning. But of course now liberal and libs and conservative have taken on completely different meanings. Now I'm sure people who are liberal would gladly say I'm liberal and, and happy to be liberal and people are conservative would say I'm conservative and I'm happy to be conservative. But it really is interesting to see how words have evolved and taken on different meanings and different contexts over time. So, you know, like I just want to summarize this idea that, you know, and 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 I'm happy to continue the, the thought, which is in this particular case, you know, remember the early uh, Microsoft AI uh, bot was inherently racist, um, and there were big problems with that because ultimately what it was doing was reflecting, um, you know, the, the, whether we like it or not, the kind of state of affairs. 
Um, and and so kind of we ran into that issue. Or, you know, mid-journey, um, we discussed this on International Women's Day, that Miss Journey was created. It was a bit of an ad campaign and a stunt. But ultimately, reflecting on an insight, which is that when you search and say, um, I'd like an image of a talk show host, I'd like an image of, of someone or, um, you know, uh, generally, you were going to get male characters as opposed to female characters. The other day, I was doing um, a LinkedIn newsletter, and I basically wanted um, uh, images of people who are fat thin. Um, and I mean, I've gone through phases of my life where I'm fat thin, where uh, at one point I was, I think I was one, at my thinnest, I was like, you know, 169 or 171. I mean, it was way too thin. Um, I'm now like 195 or one probably a little bit north of there. My ideal weight, if I could, if I could, you know, wave a magic wand would be like between 181 and 183. But I was about 10 pounds lighter than where I was when I got married and my ideal weight. But I would look in the mirror and I would see myself as fat. Um, I was fat then. So I asked for an image from Midjourney um, to show someone who is thin but looking in the mirror and seeing themselves as fat. And I think seven of the eight images were male. Um, and so so there are these inherent biases that are built into our world, our life, our society, our culture. And, uh, you know, at the moment, an artily, an artily, an artily efficient, an, art, an artillery, an artificially intelligent bot or machine is not necessarily going to reflect on them until they do. Or the prompt can say, I would like images and I would like you to be gender inclusive and I would like you to demonstrate a full spectrum and accurate depiction from a diversity standpoint. Now, we shouldn't have to say that, but maybe we need to say that until such time that we've seen some kind of, of balance. As I sip my coffee, I feel like we need more coffee sips during coffee um, to like indicate that it is virtual coffee. So I'm going to have another sip uh, and read Praxim's comment. Many years ago, six to seven, six to seven, eight. What does that mean? Many years ago, six dash seven, eight. I feel like it's a joke. Why did uh, why did five run away from? Six because seven, eight, nine, or something. Or no, why did six run away from seven? Because seven, eight, nine. Um, many years ago, six to seven, six dash seven, eight was helping someone at the office with a problem they had. They had entered people in a list for a small reward. Even then, in the person's, even then, the person's name triggered some filter and was not being allowed. The reason turned out that their name was in a slang or urban dictionary. Welcome to global teams and applying absolute language filters. That may be an issue in the U.S., but not somewhere else in the world. Um, Shadows Pub says, ChatGPT defaults to writing using masculine. It has to be told to write feminine. Um, so, you know, in, inherently in the situation, you have the problem, right? And, and, and like, I mean, it's kind of silly to, in a way, but say, but like, why, why, why do we have to hold the artificially intelligent bot to a higher standard than society, um, ultimately, and the answer probably is we shouldn't. So, interesting stuff, um, and yeah, I just thought I would I would reflect on that. Um, it's so much fun yesterday, just you know, summarizing, um, 
And Denise Hamilton will be my guest today, um, my guest this week. I mean, her show will go live on Wednesday, but I'm really going to see how I can promote the show on my socials with the video, with the uh, top 10 um, summary. You know, I, I think... Just going through it as well, um, what I've learned from uh, ChatGPT is is you kind of, like, the style changes. So, like, my little pro tip here would be when you do something like summarize these 10 takeaways, take them and then regenerate it again and then maybe regenerate it again. And what you'll find is in some cases it will be very bare bones um, and it will be just, like, real, like, pricey. And then you can say, uh, please redo, but with more detail. And so you can get a little bit more meat. But in other cases, like I loved the version, the second version, the one with Roberto Blake, uh, where it said, Blake said, Blake said, Blake said, as opposed to the other that just seemed more generic. And, um, and, and if I do move ahead with some kind of premium or subscription, what I would do is the free version of it would be very bare bones, like tweetable each one whereas the more substantial version would go out to paid members or maybe three the first three would go out free and then the rest wouldn't so i'm going to definitely play around with that idea and see um if i can produce some kind of a daily email like a daily candy that really summarizes the show uh which could be interesting peggy you're drinking your coffee i'm going to drink another sip as well Because it is the um, the festival of Passover, um, we kind of are pretty strict around, uh, certainly I am, around the house. And so um, we kind of change all our cutlery and crockery. Um, and one of the things that I've really, really come to love is my ember mug that just maintains the heat for like a full hour. So now I'm at that point where if I don't drink the coffee like within the next two or three minutes – it's going to get too cold for me. Um, and it's amazing, that little piece of technology, how it's like changed my life, how much I miss the Ember mug. Also, on a different note, I mean, I, I must have mentioned Ember, I don't know, hundreds of times. The amount of free uh, advertising or impressions that, that you know, that, look, I might have just mentioned them more privately, um, but you know, as opposed to going out there and blanketing the socials with Ember, 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 Ember. Uh, but it is interesting, um, you know, in terms of how I've gone out and, and just really like just evangelized um, on behalf of this uh, amazing, amazing brand. Um, I think it was Mark Schaefer that actually said uh, brilliant um, summary, um, which which uh, let's see if chat uh, GPT picked up on it. I think the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, Let's go see. Um, I'm going to have so much fun with this stuff. I'm looking. Where are you hiding from me, Mr. Mark Schaefer? Um, So here it is. I um, I think chat GPT nailed it, although now I can't seem to find his 10. Maybe I didn't save it. No, I definitely saved it. I just got to find it. Um, as I said, I've been having so much fun in terms of like summarizing this stuff. It's so powerful. Um, let's see. I know it's there somewhere. Um, this would be it. 
Um, he said uh, something about social listening. Let's see. Well, I'll tell you what it is. I must have saved it some way. He said social listening does not pick up discord. Um, I mean, he may have said it better than I just did. Uh, but I really, really loved that point. Um, that says with all these brands uh, that are out there, um, I think maybe this is it. Let's see. Let me find it. Oh, it's somewhere. I'll find it later. Um, but it's an amazing concept when you think about it that all these brands are doing social listening, social listening. But but if this conversation is going on in Discord, you are missing it. You are missing out on it. And you don't know that people are talking about you, good, bad, or ugly. Um, and I don't think that there will ever be a tool that allows this kind of social listening unless the community allows for it. <laughs> and so that's kind of interesting as well. These are all, there are lots of conversations that are happening and and you may not be invited to them as a brand. Um, and that's, and if they're, you know, and if they're, communities of scale and communities of influence and they're all taking place in a token gated manner or in a token gated environment you are basically shut out and that my friends is very very interesting bear says in talent acquisition there is a movement to make job descriptions or posting with neutral language so that it is more inclusive Studies show gender or ethnicity may not apply to your job if it is a certain language that does not resonate. Uh, and Shadows Pub says, I had an interesting project with it this week. Took a 128-question quiz written from an evangelical Christian viewpoint on spiritual gifts and used ChatGPT to shift the language to a metaphysical spirituality. Wow. Uh, that's me saying wow. Had to frequently remind ChatGPT of the parameters set out as it often inserted the Christian terminology into the responses. That is amazing. I would love to see the results of that, but that's incredible. Um, obviously, fine line between you know spirit, metaphysical and spiritual in a non-religious standpoint, but but clearly there are common themes. And then, of course, you know you could probably add stuff like psilocybin and you know hallucinogenics to also invoke certain spiritual means or me means or memes or or mechanisms as well so that's uh, another way to think about it we are we are definitely living through very very interesting times uh, are we not and um and i love it you know i love this idea of uh, moving with the times um and i love the fact that we are you know getting smarter and and determining um, you know, kind of like, I mean, arguably are we determining, are we getting smarter? I mean, I would say yes, absolutely. Um, specifically because, um, you know, in my case, this has helped me so much um, in terms of being able to accelerate my, you know, uh, or, or get the most out of my content. Um and, and, and we discussed this as well on the, uh, with Mark Schaefer, which is this idea that, that um, you know, I, I'm a small business. I'm myself. I, am, I don't have the team. I don't have the scale. Um, and so what this is doing for me is it's allowing me to take on the – in fact, we, we actually had this conversation where we were saying, in, in many respects, this may not be an advantage 
for the big brands. Why? Um, because the big brands still are going to have to apply a much more um, rigorous, um, you know, legal affairs and 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 corpcom and uh, and and a much tighter, if you will, um, scrutiny, which which of course is important. Make no mistake, very very important. But but, and this is very important. But um, what we're seeing now for the first time um, is that you know the smaller business is going to have a little bit more uh, flexibility and room uh, to move um, and maneuver and um, you know and and be able to read through it quicker and make. Uh, quicker calls. Um, so I, I really did love this idea. Um, I'm trying to think of why um, why uh, ChatGPT missed that that idea of um, you know uh, with Mark Schaefer about the social listening. Um, but again, you know that's also part of the um, that's also part of the the beauty of curation. Um, and that's really just going to come down to, hello, Glenn, congratulations on becoming a grandfather. Um, and Slick is here as well. Um, uh, I think maybe I need to do a special. Maybe if you send me a photo of your of your grandkid and you agree, I'll make it a POAP this week so we can mint your grandchild on the blockchain if that doesn't sound too uh, perverse. As I finish my coffee. Um, so... Um, I want to shift gears. Uh, what else did I? Um, what else did I post? I posted a few, uh, a few things this weekend. Just as I find things, I'm posting them in the chat in the cafe chat. Just uh, conversation starters. Um, but let's let's. And by the way, if anyone wants to come up, please feel free. As I finish my coffee, um, I posted a nice little image that said the fastest things on earth, and you've got cheetah. Airplane speed of light, and then people becoming experts in AI, uh, which I thought was funny. Um, and then the other thing that I that I um, that I posted um, was um, this very interesting little conspiracy theory that Satoshi Nakamoto is Steve Jobs, or Steve Jobs was Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, how do I know this, or or, or what's the backstory? The backstory is that the Bitcoin white paper has apparently been hidden in every version of uh, Mac OS since 2018, I believe. Um, and it just seems that's the one aspect, right? Um, I haven't found it yet. I haven't gone and done my little sleuth. Um, but apparently it's sitting somewhere on my computer, this white paper. And... Um, you know, Satoshi was was apparently active until such time when Steve Jobs died. And so they've made that little connection, which is Satoshi went quiet um, when Steve Jobs went quiet. So is it possible that Jobs and Satoshi are the same person? I love it. I love it. Now, I don't... I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what it means and whether this was part of the whole Apple ecosystem or whether it was, if you will, or Steve Jobs' view and outlook in the world and, and, and you know, kind of little side project. Um, but I thought that that was fascinating. I love those kinds of stories. I just do. I love these, these things that 
make us think and 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 I love I love doubt. I love healthy doubt, positive doubt. For example, I would always say back in the early days, you know, of of when I wrote my first book, that the best branded entertainment or product placement is one where you look and you're like, did did they pay for that? There's no way they paid for that. No, maybe they paid for that. Wow. If they paid for that, then that's pretty, you know. So it was that little bit of doubt. It was that perfect placement. Um, you know, I mean, we we go back to, you know, M&M slash Reese's Pieces and E.T. and that whole conversation. Um, uh, one of the most famous examples and maybe the very first, maybe that put product placement on the map. Um, I think it was M&Ms that passed and Reese's Pieces um, were the ones that, that ended up um, with the uh, the product placement, and um, and but then you know there's you have this gratuitous product placement, which is like um, you know I, I'm I'm actually just gonna post a little article from Rolling Stone that says the most egregious product placements in movie and TV history. Um, you know, it's so. Let's let's go let's go let me put this here for you. The dogs bark. So, and remember the um, so uh, ET obviously um, the most uh, the most famous famous one um, Reese's Pieces it put them on the map um, and the first choice was M and M's. Let's see what others are in here. Um, Wayne's World. Um, I mean, I think that was more just like SNL, right? Product placement. Um, you, you've got mail, right? The movie with AOL. You see, this is my point. A castaway with FedEx, remember that? When a brand is written into the script, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I'm looking at all of these. Um, I'm looking at, you know, um, I'm looking for a couple of uh, the internship, right? Which is all getting a job at Google. See, I love that. I love the authenticity of, I mean, that that's the point, right? Did Google pay for it? That's the question. I believe, I've always believed that when you ask that question, I wonder if they paid for it, that's the best kind of product placement. If you know they paid for it, if it's so obvious, if it's so out of place, if it's, you know, I mean, I remember um, in the Matrix series, all the cars were GM cars. It was too obvious. Every single car was a Buick or a Chevrolet or a Lincoln at the time. It was just too damn obvious. Um, and so that didn't work for me. But when you look at something like like FedEx, for example, I mean, it was written into the script. It, 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 didn't, it didn't feel like, oh, my God, I'm being sold to by FedEx. It didn't feel like that at all. You know, um, and and no one debated if it should have been DHL. Maybe DHL is a bit more international, but UPS versus uh, USPS versus no, no, nobody did. Um, and it was great. That I mean, that's like the the most like deepest product placement. The entire movie is written into the script. Um, but when it's when it's something where that just leaves you like guessing a little bit, um, to me. That's the kind of doubt that you want. That's the positive doubt. The doubt that makes you think. The doubt that actually is thoughtful. The doubt that makes you uh, debate a little bit and, and, and that little bit of ambiguity. 
So, you know, we always talk about ambiguity is bad and, you know, and, and all of the things, these things are bad, but everything can be positive and negative. Everything can have a positive spin, uh, not spin, uh, everything can have a positive connotation if done uh, considerately, um, thoughtfully, with moderation, um, with care, um, with and 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 always, always when strategic, um, when there's been that little bit of matchmaking, you know, it's it's the, you know, that that's where the algorithm can play an interesting role. When you, you know, when when you see, I mean, again, good and bad, right? The dopamine, the addiction of social media, the feed um, that you are fed. In, in TikTok versus Instagram that is designed to hook you, Facebook, you know, the whole, the, the social dilemma, the whole movie, um, you know, on the flip side, this idea of, of you almost creating um, this biased feed through blocking people um, and being able to, to make sure that you are only seeing, you know, people that share your political view so it can work both ways in terms of cutting yourself off or you know or filtering um your self filtering versus actually being manipulated externally by um an algorithm um and um and that's why doubt is important that's why uh, diversity of thought of perspective is important that's why it is so important for us to just get different perspectives, a second opinion, if you will, a second opinion, a third opinion, a fourth opinion, uh, and then make your mind up. This is why I've said many times that when I'm on a panel and someone disagrees with me, unless they are asking me specifically for a rebuttal um, or what do you think, uh, or the moderator is, I'm just going to let it go and 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 trust that the audience will be able to make up their own mind saying, well, I heard two different opinions. Um, I don't know that either of them are right. I'm going to uh, select or find a happy medium or or seek out more opinions or get another perspective um, as opposed to deciding, um, you know, Bez was right versus Jaffe was right versus, you know, Glenn was right. Um and oftentimes, remember, the biases that are built in are the person who generally talks lost is the, is the perspective that you remember. And that's the problem, right? The other problem, of course, is the, the bias of social media in terms of this person has one million followers. So they've got to, you know, they've, they've got to be smarter than the person that has 10 or they're gonna, their point of view is going to carry more weight or just get more people engaged as well. So um good doubt, bad doubt, good ambiguity, bad ambiguity, good product placement, bad product placement. I think it all comes full circle when we realize that um that the the most powerful tool and weapon we have is our ability to make independent decisions and make up our minds for ourselves. And when that has been compromised or manipulated or um, or we are duped or fooled, um, it's kind of all over. I mean, we've lost. Uh, society will in, invariably lose. And the problem, of course, is uh, it's becoming harder and harder uh, to determine 
who to trust, what to trust, where to trust, when to trust, and how easy it is to be duped. The story that I shared the other week, how quickly I got duped um, when doing a Google search, trying to find this app to pay for my parking in Miami, ended in entered my credit card because I wasn't thinking and then I realized, well, what did I just do? I just went to a website as opposed to the app just because the logo was the same. Um, so there are so many easy ways to manipulate people and not to fact check. Um, you know, being able to, uh, as an example, to say, um, you know, these are my clients. These are the clients that I've worked with over the years. How do you know it's true? How do you know what you did for you know how do how do you know the quality of the work the extent of the work the you know whether you were um whether you were fired or not for you know uh whatever I mean even look at our resumes how do we fact check our resumes um how do we know that that a person's resume is is accurate actually um one of the things that came out in in the mock uh I, th- I think it was the mock Schaefer uh, interview was this idea of authenticating authenticity. And I said, Mark, that's your next book. He is like, no, Joe, that's your next book. But that was a, that, that, that was a, uh, something that I came up with, which is how do you think about it? How do you authenticate authenticity, right? How do you actually know that someone who says that they're being truthful and honest is in fact being truthful and honest? Um, we all talk about authenticity, but how do you know that in fact it's real? And 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 identity and authenticity, I believe, um, will be. Um, there's no question that blockchain is going to play a huge, a significant role in terms of being able to verify that you are who you say you are. Um, and in some respects, you know, we've seen some of those tools um, with blockchain, but also just even before Web3, with this idea of a telephone number. Of course, you can... There are ways of scamming and cheating on everything. But but when you actually... Or or, um, uh, or uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, 2FA, right? Two-factor authentication. There are tools now that are allowing us to really um, become a little bit more um, uh, more in control of who we are and who we aren't. And uh, and people, um, you know, being able to have less ability to to rip us off or steal or impersonate. I mean, even like little things on Twitter, like the hexagon versus the circle, um, being able to say this is, you know, I am a board Ape Yacht Club holder, I'm not. But if I was, um, that hexagon would say that I am. Um and Bear says, why do we care to fact-check the resume? The resume is not a legal document. It is at best and rightly so a promotional piece. R- yes, and, or yet, in this case, yes, but how many people actually um, recognize that? Is that widely held as being... Um, you know, as being like, does every person look at that resume and treat it the same way? That this is just a promotional piece. It's the same as a bio. I'm telling you, Bez, like I wish I wish your statement was true, but it isn't in the sense that 
the amount of times that you go and you hear a keynote speaker and they read their and you read their bio um, or someone introduces them and and what percentage of the people in the audience actually are saying, well, that's just a puff piece. That's just a promotional piece. That was written by them or their PR people. Um, and uh, Shadows Pub says, if they can't tell the truth on their resume, can you trust them to work for you? But again, how do you know that they're telling the truth and not telling the truth? Helped, you know, grow global client base and revenue to $250 billion, for example. Um, how do you know? How do you know it's true? You know, and and like, it, I mean, it, it seems like there is a connection. It seems like there is, like everyone should have a trust score, right? Everyone should have a trust score. Just like you have a credit, a credit score, you should have a trust score. Every single time that everything you've said has been, you know, um, the, the word is fisk, uh, fisked, F-I-S-K. Um, you know, every time something that you've said has been proven to be right or wrong and verified and validated by a second, third, fourth opinion or by, an, by a, um, a mediator or by a, an, an, an impartial um, or non-partisan or whatever, second party or third party, uh, you should be able to have a true score. Uh, a trust score, a truth score, um, an, an authenticated authenticity score. And ultimately, that is how, you know, you should be governed. I mean, we, uh, up until now, we've probably just gone and said, well, Google the person and see what comes up. But everything can be n- manipulated. And so, you know, ultimately, if you think about it, and it's a good place to kind of like see where we've ended up, which is there are going to be two very interesting components one is going to be this idea that you maintain and manage your identity, authenticated authenticity, and 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 you get to kind of curate that and be able to um, control that and and manage your own brand as opposed to it being managed on behalf of you. But the other part of it is this idea of the exact opposite. If that is the most subjective. And they're also, I mean, we talk about reputation, then there also has to be something that is ultimately objective. Um, and, and, that is, and that is also reputation. So part of your reputation can be managed. They, they call it reputation management. And then there's probably this idea of reputation mitigation, right? Which is how do you, how do you repair or, or, or deal with, um, you know, mistakes that have been made in the past? We're all we're human. We make mistakes, um, bad decisions, um, you know, uh, bad life decisions, uh, moments of weakness, rehabilitation, um, this idea of redemption. Um, all of these things are gonna. They're gonna be very interesting ways to think about the arbiters of truth, of trust, of reputation, of um, you know, of credibility, of influence. Uh, etc and all of that will ultimately feed into and be fed uh, fed by or fed or fed into or fed out by um, these AI um, new bots that are going to become you know as they become sentient and smarter they're gonna they're gonna be able to um, apply these kinds of lenses um, you know if we want to just bring it home um, it should have been obvious to this AI bot that the the sentence you know in this particular case 
Um, and if you came a little bit late today, um, you may want to go back and just listen to uh, to the podcast version of it. Um, and if you haven't already, please subscribe, bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go so that you don't miss one of them. But the statement was, and if they dare for a moment to have a chink in their armor, to have a human moment, dot, 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 talking about in context of, you know, celebrities and public figures demonstrating a little bit of uh, vulnerability, a little bit of humanity, etc. Um, in this particular case, there should have been the ability for AI uh, in this case to have said, it appears that you may that you are using a word um, that has um, sensitive and 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 certainly offensive and racist connotations. However, it is clear that you're using it in context of a phrase um, referring to dot dot dot. Would you like to replace it with a synonym like dent or an or here or another um, bunch of idioms or metaphors? Or analogies that might be able to replace it. Now, in this particular case, this is me summarizing an episode with a guest who was using it absolutely 1,000%, you know, in context of that phrase. So I just find it to be very, very interesting um, where things are heading and, uh, and how we navigate this crazy, crazy world. It is 9 a.m. If you wish to uh, get the POAP today... Um, even though Bez is now telling me that the word woke itself is woke, if you know what I'm saying. No, wait, uh, which we have, to, we have to be careful about using that in or out of context. Um, but that is the code nonetheless, W-O-K-E. And uh, go ahead and collect your POAP from today. I will see you tomorrow for Thought Leadership Tuesday. Oh, hey, Bez. I say, did you know I was there? No, I was just busy about to get my poet. Otherwise, just uh, I just heard your beautiful voice. What would you like to say, my I was, friend? Well, I popped up when you were talking about, um, you know, the authenticate uh, in, you know, uh, fact check the resume. Um, you're um, people looking to validate and fact check a resume before hiring is a minority segment. Most people, um, they don't care in corporate America. Um, and here's why. You go earn a certificate and you come to, to, to the workplace and say, I am knowledgeable in this area, yet um, in real life, that's all it is. It's a piece of paper. And um, you've, uh, I've, se- I've heard the... Uh, derogatory terms, you know, that actual hiring managers talk about a paper XYZ versus real life experience that's actually valuable. And then you, you talk to deans of schools or, or even uh, people out there, professors, and you've got those students that are really good at acing the test and getting straight A's. And then you've got your, your B students, your C students, some that didn't even fin- f- uh, finish college that are out there, you know, killing it. And um, so corporate America, if you're going to authenticate or validate the experience, then you've got to all agree that there is one source of truth. And that will be hard for everyone to agree to. So I don't think... Um, 
that, you know, in my opinion, I don't think that's a business problem people are really interested in, in um, facing. I think the actual interview is of high value. You ask the person that you potentially want to hire a few questions. Uh, you, you make hires based on relationships or is the person a good fit for the team? They may not have everything on the job description, but the gaps my team has, they bring those to the table. So I'll land my plane there. And that is my opinion. All right. We hashtag Bez says, join us tomorrow when our POAP will be uh, Glenn's. Uh, he's just sent a beautiful image of his, uh, of his uh, grandchild. And that will be the POAP. We are, we're, we're minting your grandkid on the blockchain tomorrow. Uh, and uh, that will be our poem for Thought Leadership Tuesday. Um, woke is W-O-K-E or lowercase is the code for today. And uh, as a reminder, um, I would love uh, two things more than anything in the world. Maybe, you know, I'd, I'd kind of like a thousand Bitcoin more. Uh, but second and third would be um, to encourage you to invite people to come join us Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 Eastern Standard Time. Um, I want to grow this um, not too big, um, but definitely I feel that we have such a beautiful, special thing going here, and it seems uh, selfish for us to keep it all to ourselves. The other part is to encourage you to come on stage round about like 8.45 every uh, morning, um, if you can, and if you're able to, um, it would be great to get some more voices on stage. If if nothing else, just for the last 5 or 10 or 15 minutes, I do love all the comments um, in, in the back chat. Please keep them coming. Um, but I also love just getting perspective and hearing what Bez has to say. Uh, so on that note, um, have a wonderful, wonderful Monday, April 10th, 2023. And I will see you all hopefully and maybe some new faces tomorrow. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.